Music, friends, fun, and fandom. Join Tom and Steve as we hang out in the digital blunderground. Stop what you're doing. We won't ruin. Get ready to relax and join us in the digital blunderground. Thanks for joining us today. This is Tom and my wingman, Steve, and we are here on the Digital Blunderground. How you doing? How are you, Steve? Yeah, it's a good day. Boy. Good day. Yeah, good day? Yeah. yeah. Some interesting stuff here on the Digital Blunderground. We got um, I got some interesting videos today, a couple that uh, struck my fancy. Well, one thing that we like to talk about, Steve and I, uh, as we uh, make our rounds, is the concept of secular religion. Uh, and this is something that kind of relates back to our other podcast, Notes from Blunderground, where we look at the world and we see different trends. So Steve and I are Christians, but the rest of the world also has religion. And it's not a Christian religion as much as it's a secular religion. And so uh, coming across on Twitter, I came across a... Great description. Yeah, this thing was a gem. Steve, you're going to love this. This this was a gem. Oh, man. This is unbelievable. So we're going to talk about time in the office as secular religion. Now, Steve, I know you spent some time in the office, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Not not a lot. Not as much as some of these people who I don't know how they do it are there for, like, careers. Sure. But enough to where this video was hilarious to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a uh, I have a career in uh, my previous career was in convenience stores and working in convenience stores. I saw this everywhere. I took place in some of it myself, uh, but I saw it in other people so many times that I, it, anyway, it really spoke to me. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and play the whole thing for you without further ado. Yeah, and we're gonna play it for you, and then afterwards we're gonna go back and we're gonna play it again piece by piece, and we're gonna share a few of our thoughts. All right, so here we go. This is the American office as secular religion. An office job. Right, so a lot of people are confused about what an office actually is. Um, Some people have this misconception that offices, like, function or like produce something Uh, that's a common misunderstanding they're actually religious building um there's this religion called professionalism and one of its core tenets is hierarchy uh so an office is just a shrine to hierarchy here things about like a mission or a vision or a goal these these are not real the actual purpose of being in an office is to like demonstrate that you know this form of worship um so it's a polytheistic religion it's a little complicated um the gods in professionalism are companies which are non-human deities that sometimes take human form as these things called sea levels so that's basically like a high priest to this deity right so that's at the top is the the sea level it might be a ceo cfo whatever um and they don't really do anything their purpose is to just like physically be there the, like the temple is just a place for them to waft around so their immediate sort of servants are called managers um and these people their job is to kind of observe the lower ranks and make sure that those people are doing their jobs. The thing is the managers don't know how to do any of those jobs, so they can't actually tell if anybody is doing their job. It's mostly a ceremonial role. Um, And they do perform ceremonies. Uh, One of them is called the one-on-one. This is where the manager sits down with the worker and the worker kind of reads off a list of everything they weren't able to do because it was impossible. And then the manager will quote the Holy Scripture. It'll be something like, I would love to see a more flexible mindset about what is possible. It doesn't have to make sense. It's traditional. So below them are the specialized workers. And these people kind of have a job. Like there's a thing that definitely does or doesn't happen that is their responsibility. This might be like an IT person or like a researcher or like a UX designer. Um, But because managers obviously don't know how to assess whether that work was done, really the function of workers is to bear witness to the space. So like you're supposed to be physically present for a certain amount of time. Um, You have to wear like special regalia that is compliant within the tenets of professionalism. And then you usually have to assume this like meditative pose where you're behind a desk and staring at a screen. But it doesn't matter what you're doing during that time. You can just... I, I don't know, like, what kind of time or effort it takes or brain it takes to relate the office to religion like she just did, but that was on point. I loved it. Man, on point. So, 
it really is, you know, and it's it's something that. <laughs> so let's go through it here. Do you do at an office job? Right. So a lot of people are confused about what an office actually is. Um, some people have this misconception that offices like function or like produce something. Uh, that's a common misunderstanding. They're actually religious buildings. Um, there's this religion called professionalism, and one of its core tenets is hierarchy. All right. So this is a key point here. So we have the religion is professionalism, and the key tenet of professionalism is hierarchy. Right. <laughs> so so I, I said before my um my background's in convenience stores, but actually I, I did work in, in other offices as well. And I did um I did work in an office of uh, a very liberal nonprofit. Uh and so and I know that sounds odd, but I did. Um and uh in a lot of ways it was a great experience, but I it's it's so interesting because in, in the office, this office, okay, it existed for pretty much any purpose except for actual business all right like like making money and and making sure the trains run on time that was like not part of what we did <laughs> you know, like so the, the the whole concept was like you know for example for hierarchy so you know it was a it was a uh, it was a liberal base they wanted to make sure that people fit in so you had to have a certain way of looking at the world and and you had to you had to be able to have certain tenets of of, of what you what you would adhere to or, or what would you would you would give credit to this actually happened in your real life oh in my this real life oh no no this is a uh, very real and, <laughs> oh, my goodness. yeah so you know these and it's just it's amazing because they would have as someone being in convenience stores, right? You learn how to trim the fat, and you learn how to work with less, and and that's what they push on you. So to work in a place where, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy because you would go, you would go into, because it was a nonprofit, so they had a board that ran it, and you could go to board meetings, and the board would would come out, and they'd ask all the right questions, but they were completely inequipped to actually answer any of the questions. And then they were not interested in any sort of kind of constructive answer. Like that was the last thing that anybody wanted, you know, and it was like the whole the whole rigmarole was was like we need to find a way to make sure that we can have this environment where we can play act our way through this. Like we do not want to have like this honest answer, you know, and then everything, everything was always like. You know, the, the answer to everything was usually like, it's going to get better, man. Right. It was, gonna, it was like it was going to get better. It's down the road. That's your standard answer. R pretty much. You know, just to give hope to your employees. Well, I mean, the thing was. Keep them going another day. Yeah. And see, the thing was, is, is there was always employees. We had employees coming out of our ears. Like, they'd say, well, why don't we make any money? And, of course, the answer was, well, you could easily fire half the staff and probably increase productivity, you know, with the right people in the right places. But this was not even the goal. Like, like this Sounds was, like it functioned like the United States government, just like a slow churning train, you know? Man, it is wild. The other day, I saw a newspaper article, and they were talking about COVID uh, relief that was given to educational departments in each state. So our state received, and I believe I, I saw in the article, $6 million of COVID, uh, COVID relief funds. So $6 million. Schools? Schools. So it's, it's schools. $6 million, For right? what? So, well, they broke it down in the article because they said, okay, we're going to see what they broke it down for. And they broke it down, like... And it was crazy because, you know, because I, I do some educational tutoring, right? And so that's one thing I do. They, they gave like, it was uh, it was like $2.1 million or something to educational tutoring. And I'm going, wait a minute. Did you get a check? Well, like, so for me, like, okay, so <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see a red penny in any of this, right? I didn't even know it existed. But apparently it's already spent. I mean, apparently it's all flush out and it's all flushed out. It's all spent. And it's all out in the economy. And it's all done, right? So it, none of it, I, I didn't even know about it. Well, it helped COVID. Apparently, it wasn't I supposed to help you. I, I, you know, there you go. It wasn't supposed to help me, so it did its <laughs> job because it never reached me. So, you know, I always think about that. I go, you know, because I read in the newspaper and I go, wait a minute, like I'm over here, like you know, busting my hump trying to make ends meet, and then like they got like two point one million dollars floating around, like waiting for educators, and I, that is a broken system right there. Yep. So here, are the tenets of professionalism. And it's, the tenets of professionalism is hierarchy. Let's keep going. So an office is just a shrine to hierarchy. Here are things about like a mission or a vision or a goal. These, these are not real. The actual purpose of being in an office is to like demonstrate that you know 
this form of worship. Um, so it's a polytheist. Right, pretty much, yeah. The, the purpose of being in the office is to show that you know the hierarchy. It's it okay. So when I was in, because I used to work for Swift in their corporate office. Sure. This is uh, I think I might have told this story on our other podcast, but the guy that worked in what we called Mahogany Row. Oh yeah, you above did above us. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, mentioned that. Yeah. Rod Sarter, the guy used to wear socks, cost more than my yearly salary. Hmm. But yeah, he would come in and walk around, he had no clue whatsoever anything we were doing, and we just. Stared at our screens, and you touch your keyboard once in a while, and you know you, you f- like you feel like you made it because you wore a collared shirt to work, you know. Yeah, right. No, that's true. And like you didn't drive a dirty car there, you know. Right. It was Arizona. So it was kind of hard to get your car dirty anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I, it, it that was like the measure of like success, like whether or not you were you were in the office, and if you're like one of the salaried people, you were a little higher up on the on right, the and like you didn't. You did not converse with the janitorial staff, right? Like, we didn't talk. Like, I'm wearing dress clothes, and you're not. We don't speak. Right, yeah, we don't speak, right? It's just crazy. Yeah. It was so weird to me after I get out of the military, and I I had, you know, real hierarchy that actually mattered, was there for a reason, and I get to this, what I call, fake life, this office, and I'm like, what is going on here? That's why when I saw this clip, I'm like, it's not just me. It's everybody. It's everybody, right? And she relates it to religion. I'm like, that's genius. It's genius. It's it, what it is is like with the collared shirt. I think it's funny you say that because you know that's like the evolution of the collared shirt. You're supposed to, you know, how many buttons that you can have down on the collared shirt when when you're in. It kind of shows your, yeah. you know, like <laughs> What's what polite? you can get away with, you know. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, you always see. Uh, yeah, there's always so, sorts of different things you can do, like how tall a guy is, right? You go, okay, so you know, like a tall guy is going to gather more respect. So you got to look at the shirt. So if you got a tall guy that with a collared shirt with more than two or more buttons that are unbuttoned, like that is a power play, right? Like you're like, that's the guy. <laughs> that is a power play. So you know like, okay, so this is the guy. You're like, okay, so, you know, the the guy, this is the guy getting the attention from all the ladies in marketing. This is the guy who's making, who's, you know, brushing up, brushing shoulders with the boss. And, you know, these are all you can tell. These are all the different power plays. And it's so interesting. Uh, Hasselhoff came to my mind. I'm sitting over here laughing. Oh, uh, Hasselhoff? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I could picture. I oh, wonder, man. like, is there a certain amount of chest hair that has to be showing? Or is yeah, it too right. Much? I don't know. Like, yeah, no doubt. Teddy bear look, does that take away from the height? It's a little bit. Man. I saw an ad the other day, speaking of height. Is he still guys, doing ads at Hasselhoff? No, 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 not a Hasselhoff ad. No, it was for, it, was, it had to do with sneakers. Yeah. There's sneakers that made guys two inches taller. And it was just a Facebook ad for these things. Oh, really? I'm trying to sell them. I'm, I'm sure they'll go viral for a month, you know, like everything else does. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they makes guys two inches taller, and they were asking girls, like, well, do you think he's more attractive now, just the way he looks? Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. Guys that are taller, you're right. They, they, they command more respect. There's, like, this culture of office. Yeah, there really is. You know? It's like a, it's a subculture that's within the rest of this culture we deal with but it is kind of this interesting subculture you know on a tangent actually i i did meet i met david Hasselhoff. you know what so, yeah no i did yeah very briefly very how, briefly yeah. how would your path and his path cross yeah he did a uh, he did a promotional campaign for a company i work for and uh it was a big deal went through the whole summer and uh it was a real big deal it was on tv a bunch of it was pretty famous and uh so anyhow uh we had a corporate event where he where he showed up and it was a big mystery you know we weren't supposed to know but of course everybody kind of knew it was going to be the hoff was going to be there yeah so you know i got a chance to uh, talk to him you know and he's getting old man the hoff you know i mean i got to meet the hoff but i was a little afraid to shake his hand because i don't want to shake his hand too hard you know no i might break the guy in half how long ago was this when you got to meet him oh well oh golly man i don't know Back in I don't know, twelve, maybe thirteen, maybe. Really? Yeah, yeah, maybe like ten. He years come up ago. here to New Hampshire? Oh yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. No kidding. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the Hoff was getting old, even back then, man. Man, Night Rider was a long time ago. Let me tell you. <laughs> so man, I, I tell you, I don't know where Kit is these days, man. But he's Mr. Feeney. He in the junkyard somewhere, man. <laughs> you know, Kit, Kit was Mr. Feeney was the one who voiced uh, did Kit's oh, voice. Oh, I, I can't remember right? his name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but oh uh, man, oh um, it's great, man! I can't. It's so long ago. I keep wanting to talk to my kids about Kit and make Kit jokes, but you can't. It's too far over their heads. It's too far in the past. I mean, I can't. You know, it's one of those things where you know, it's like people talk to me about. uh, uh, People say something about like, uh, 
uh, an old show. You looking for um, Henry Winkler? Yes. Happy days? Well, yeah, happy days, man. I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of a happy days guy, but you know, something like happy days or you know Barney Fife or something like that. People say that, and then I know who they are, but it's just too far in the past for me. So, but Kit, you can't even. No one, no one remembers Kit anymore. Nothing. Nothing, man. No one remembers the the G1 edition of Transformers poster. Oh, no, a lot of people. They do in my household, man. Oh, wow. Well, because I grew up with it. So then I kept all, you know, it's interesting. When he got married, because my house was kind of like this storage unit, right, for all my stuff. So when I got married. Mine still is. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, but my mom put together everything, right? And so she brought it all over. I remember, forget, when we were married for a year or so. Uh, and then she brought over all the boxes, and it's like, hey, what are all these boxes? Oh, it's all your stuff. And you go, no, no, I have all my stuff. You go, no, you really don't. So you get boxes of like big stack of all your stuff. And my my G one Transformers were in there because I, I man, I was a big big fan. I still am a huge fan. So we had, um, you know, hey, where we are, digital underground, right? So fandom, so big fandom for G one, right? So if you want to hear more about G one Transformers, you write us, you leave a review, you call in, you do what you need to do and then we're going to talk about it. But G one Transformers is about the coolest thing out there. I mean other than Kit, I mean, but the uh so I had all my toys and I also had all the comics, right? Because because I grew up Poe, you know. Yeah. So we didn't didn't really have enough for Channel Fifty Six, right? So that's what, you got Channel Fifty Six. <laughs> Just got what was, came in on the rabbit ears. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, so Channel Fifty Six was like if you so if you're not around. So when you're a kid, right, you get the, like this the level of status in the office, but then there's also the level of status when you're a kid, right? So the highest status you could achieve as a kid was Channel Fifty Six, because in Channel Fifty Six you could see GI Joe, and you could see Generation One of Transformers. And if you could manage to stay up like past midnight, you probably could see, you probably could see some stuff too. So, anyhow, that was like the pinnacle <laughs> of when you were a kid, right? Oh so boy. The so anyhow, so all my friends could watch GI Joe and they could watch Channel Fifty Six, right? And they could watch Generation One Transformers. But we was we were we were too po, so I couldn't watch Channel Fifty Six. So what I did was every my mom would take me down to Rite Aid. And I would go in every every couple of weeks, and I'd buy the the issue, right, the, the the comics. And let me tell you, if you haven't experienced G1 comics, that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty sweet. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're if you're thinking missing your childhood and you want to get it back, I mean, it's pretty hard to do, but you can get yourself a big stack of G1 comics, and that's pretty close. And then if you start getting into the figures, you pretty much can kiss your life goodbye, probably your marriage, because those. <laughs> I'm just I. Oh man, see you. This is. You know a lot about me, but you don't know yeah. my extensive Transformer collection that I just offloaded about two years ago. Oh, man. It was man. extensive. It was in man. boxes. See, it, it, like I had MP10 Optimus Prime. Oh, man. Yep. Ooh. And that was the the Masterpiece Edition. It was, yeah. Yeah. See, if I, man, we'd have had this conversation a long time ago. I don't know you, I don't know you like Transformers. I was oh, wondering man. why you like that poster so much. Oh, yeah, I know the G1, man. Hey, listen, I played with my Transformers. Listen, if you're okay. into Transformers, the Furby over there. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of letting you guys in on how the studio set up in here, all right? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> there might be some nostalgic stuff yeah, we sitting need, around yeah, here. Yeah, we got some nostalgia. Maybe. We got we to get some G1. So in here, my, my buddy, yeah. Joe. His name is actually Joe Smith. I'm not giving like an alias for the Oh, yeah, you're a long-lost relative, right? But anyway, so he builds custom Transformers. His collection is in the $30,000 to $40,000 range. Oh, man. Like he has multiples of MP10s. Oh, really? Unopened. Yeah. Wow. Uh, This dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah, some people get so big into it. Upstairs, I have a custom movie edition Optimus Prime oh. from the Revenge of the Fallen. Movie oh, you do, yeah. That yeah, he yeah. built. Yeah, worst one, but still. So yeah. I'll have to. Oh, he built down. that. Yeah, he built it. Oh, that's so nice. he he custom builds them. He sells them like this one probably would have sold for like eleven hundred bucks on eBay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does this stuff. Wow, he, like it's pretty it, sweet. But anyway, I it would have been in the studio instead of the Furby. Yeah, right. I didn't know you like Transformers. Oh no, man! I, are you kidding me? Listen, I played with my Transformers. Okay, so my Transformers were destroyed by love. Okay, like oh, lots man. of love. All right. Now listen, I had I had an original. It was my prized possession. So I, I never had Optimus because, like I said, we were poor. So <laughs> I, I ever, but I did have a Generation One Starscream. Okay. Oh, dude, Starscream's 
He's the man. Oh, man. I had a Starscream, and that thing got played with. Okay, so my thumbs, all right? Like, the oil on my thumbs single-handedly wiped away every bit of paint, like, every <laughs> decal. I mean, that's how much it got played with. I mean, it got played with, all right? And I have a Generation 1 wheel jack, which is, like, the coolest toy of all time, probably. All right? So, I mean, like, maybe. I mean... I, I get if you really think about it and you want to compare it to others, it's probably the greatest toy ever made. So you get you still have this? I, no, because it fell apart because we got played oh. with so much, and my son played with it. Because when I played with it, it was on the verge of falling apart. And then one day, my kids who loved it just as much as I did came to me and they said, "Dad, the wheeljack just fell apart into a thousand pieces." And I said, "Hey, no doubt that he probably did because it's been a lot long time coming. Like, I mean, wheeljack's been. I mean, it's just been." He's been he's been rocking socking them for so long and it was never gonna last. So and I knew it and and it was a big it was kind of a sad day but he just fell apart out of love. I mean because he just got played with so much and it's a great way to go for a toy. You know you get a toy. I mean it just turned into a thousand tiny little pieces. You know it's the best way for an Autobot to go out. Oh man, I tell you and I you probably probably yeah it's the best way for an Autobot to go out. Man it just fell right apart. You know sounds like, sounds like uh, one of Sid's toys but. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, man. Yeah, I tell you. So, yeah, no doubt. So, uh, that's it. Fan, though. I love G1. You kidding me? We got G1 here in the studio yeah. and we're representing. So, pretty great. All right, let's keep going on this. Religion. It's a little complicated. Um, the gods in professionalism are companies, which are non human deities that sometimes take human form as these things called sea levels. So, that's basically like a high priest to this deity, right? So that's at the top is the the C level. It might be a CEO, CFO, whatever. Um, and they don't really do anything. Their purpose is to just like physically be there. The, like the temple is just a place for them to waft around. So their immediate sort of servants are called managers. Um, and these people- Man, waft around. That's right, waft I around. am having to like bite my tongue off over here. That's literally what they do. Waft around. They just kind of waft around and- you're just uncomfortable while they're there, man. I once worked at a place, okay, and the the C, the 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 C level guy, right? He was a former grocery store guy, okay. So he used to run around grocery. Now this is a thing, right? If you've ever been in a grocery store and you see these guys that, like walk around, you know, and it's pretty. You can figure out they're like the manager, right? I mean, manager grocery store, pretty great deal. I mean, right? It's like six figure job. I mean, pretty good deal. It's more money than you guys would think if anybody doesn't know. Man, I know it really is. I mean, that's a six figure job, and that's a pretty nice job. Mm -hmm. So those guys. So anyhow, like those guys, they walk around. Those guys, and you can do it. And it's true. I used to have a friend of mine, right, who made it his his hobby. He would go into the grocery store and he would walk. He would find the manager and he would just watch him. Right, it's true. I never did it, but I, mean, I I respect them for doing it. He went in there and he would spend. Oh, you were busy hours. with Starscream. I got it. Yeah, that's it. You know, and he would go into these places, and he would find the manager, and then he would just watch him for hours. And then he'd come and talk to me, and he'd say, "Yeah, the, yesterday, the manager came in, and then he would walk here and he walked there." And I said, "What do these guys do?" And that's the reason he did it, because he would say, I, "I just want to see what these guys do." Right. So I had this a C level guy come in. He was a he was a grocery store guy, and he comes in. And it was a smaller environment, so I thought it was really interesting because I want to see how this guy operates in a smaller environment. Like, how is he going to attack things? Like, what's he going to do? How is he going to deal with it when the business is smaller, right? Well, I guess, and I don't really know because I've not worked in the grocery store in that level at all. But I guess if you're you're running a grocery store, then I guess a big part of the job is you know to effectively walk in big circles and you know make straight lines between two different places and 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 kind of just kind of like give the office air of authority. Pretty much. So I thought, well, how is that going to translate? It's very interesting. So I was really curious, and I'm telling you, man, like good, bad, or indifferent, right? I have no idea what this guy did. I mean, this guy would walk around in circles. He would stay in his office. He would make straight lines. And then I would be like, like, I would sit around and I'd go, okay, like, can I point to one single thing in like the last couple of weeks that this person has done to affect change? Like, like, I, like, no. <laughs> one tangible thing. Yeah. Like, the guy could have just, like, he could have just gotten hit by a bus on some random morning. <laughs> Nothing would have changed. It wouldn't really change much. I mean, not that we don't wish that on anybody, obviously. It's, you know, we want people to be healthy and happy and such. But, like, I don't think anything would have changed, really. All of those C level managers, right? Your CFOs, your CEOs, the one that she's talking about in yeah, this yeah. video. They actually had to have a show, you know that show, Undercover Boss, oh, to like I've prove that, like you know, hey, we're willing to get in the mud, and then they prove what she says by like they underperform 
every single task. Right? Every task. That, yeah, that everybody else does. Like, they suck at it. Right. To the point where, like, some of these mid-level managers that they get stuck with yeah. are, like, about to fire this person who they don't really know that it's the CEO of the company. But, right. yeah, they're like, yeah, this, this person ain't going to cut it, you know, like, behind the scenes and stuff. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like... But they tried to have a show to prove, like, no, we're we're willing to do the dirty work. <laughs> if that doesn't prove that piece of paper, if you got a degree, if that doesn't prove that don't mean nothing, I don't know what will. Like, I've said it before. I take yeah. my bachelor's degree to go to Taco Bell, and I'll be working for that 17-year-old that's been managing the place for the last six months. Oh, yeah. You know, my right. bachelor's degree don't mean nothing, man. Right, right. Right, same, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Same, same as that level. I, I don't understand it. And- I did work at a grocery store, by the way. Yeah. And those managers, they think they walk on water. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> that's Man, that's the culture in there. That's the culture in they there. They have stock shelves overnight, and they will tell you all the stories, and you are not worthy. <laughs> Look at the you ground must, when you talk to them. You must be- bend the knee, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there you go. All right, so here's the, here's your mid-level manager. Here's, here's her talking about a mid-level manager. Oh, flashbacks. <laughs> oh, job is to kind of observe the lower ranks and make sure that those people are doing their jobs. The thing is the managers don't know how to do any of those jobs, so they can't actually tell if anybody is doing their job. It's mostly a ceremonial role, um, and they do perform ceremonies. Uh, one of them is called the one-on-one. Um, this is where the manager sits down with the worker and the worker kind of reads off a list of everything they weren't able to do because it was impossible. And then the manager will quote the Holy Scripture. It'll be something like, I would love to see a more flexible mindset about what is possible. It doesn't have to make sense. It's traditional. So below them are the... <laughs> the one-on-ones. The one-on-ones, man. Here's my experience. Sure. I failed. All of them. <laughs> Every one of them. All of them? Yeah. Because I'm honest. That'll do it every time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> every time. That's the end of my story. <laughs> How'd yours go? Uh, man. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I both been on the, the end. Cause being in middle management is terrible, okay? Because you have to you have to do both ends, right? You have to you have to get it and then you have to give it. So pitcher and the catcher. Yeah, right. You know, yep. you're the pitcher and the catcher. Yep. And and so and, and you know, you never know you never know if you're dealing with something that's constructive. Something that's narrative or something that's just total malarkey, right? Like I, I a great story. I, I, I knew these two guys, right? So I knew these two guys and named though one one was named Bruce and the other was named Skip. And so they both got promoted at the same time. I mean, I knew both of them. And uh and so it's a great story, right? So one day they both got promoted at the same time and so they're both new in their job. And so one day, uh the the, the boss calls them both in the office and he sit down. So Bruce and Skip, they both sit down. And so he says, oh, Bruce and Skip, I want to congratulate you on being promoted. And he says, I want to give you my piece of advice. He says, my piece of advice is I think that you'd never want to be considered to be an office jockey. Okay? You never want to be seen in the office. The best single thing you can do for your career is to be out and about. You want to be out with the people. You want to be among the people. You want to get in that car. You want to put the miles on. And the last thing that you want to do is to be an office shot. Isn't that the most disappointing news ever when you think you finally made it? Boy, you know, it's a, well, here's what happened, right? So here's what happened, right? So the one guy that I knew, right, Bruce, Bruce is like, no problem. And he was like, he was a man of the people. He got in that car. He gassed up that thing. He hit the road. He went out and he was with the people like 24-7. I mean, every day, all the time, he was never in the office. He made a point. He would, no, no one in the office even knew who he was, right? He was so outside the office. Now, Skip, on the other hand, was a different this, – this cat was a different breed of animal, all right? So <laughs> he was, this cat was a different breed, and he really was. He was, a form, he was like you. He was a former DJ. Yeah. So we had a little bit of that. He had a little bit of DJ in him. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so, you know, Skip is like, all right, Jack. And, you know, he, he patted him on the back and nodded his head. And the next morning, sure, sure enough, about, I don't know, 920 in the morning, you know, in comes Skip rolling in the office with about, <laughs> you know, big old 20-ounce coffee. And so he comes rolling in the office, and Skip was there like every day, okay? He was schmoozing with the ladies. He was complimenting the secretaries. He was he was greasing the wheels of progress. Oh my he goodness. was doing everything he needed to do. <laughs> 
and the guy became like an office jockey, right? And he was like, and and he he was in the office constantly, okay? And he was constantly trying to like just rubbing people and 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 and, and manipulating people and, and inserting himself in the conversations, you name it, right there. Well, anyways, I don't think you have to go to Harvard Business School to figure out what happened, okay? So eventually, Bruce got fired, <laughs> all right? And so Bruce was no more, and I ran into Bruce at a red light one time, and I was able to roll down my window and scream at him. His wife was there, and I wished him and his wife all the best and still do. I think they're great people. Oh, okay. Oh, you but, sc- okay. But anyways, you so, scream at him. I'm like, Yeah, wow. right. No, no, well, because we were at a red light, so okay. I kind of had to, you know, it was cross traffic, right? So anyhow, it was cross traffic. So Bruce got fired, right? And Skip got promoted, Right. So anyway, so, you know, and so anyway, Skip got promoted. So he ended up getting another promotion and made all sorts of made all sorts of uh, of impact. And, and, and he was in the temple longer. Oh, all the time. And he knew it, you know, and, and he knew what it was. He knew how to listen to these people. You know, he knew that there were certain things he had to listen to and do. And then there were certain things that, that where he was he needed to listen and he needed to do the exact opposite. Right? Yep. And so, you know, Bruce did what he was told. And got got canned. Well, yeah, you're not allowed to actually say what you're supposed to. You're not allowed to say what you should do to get promoted. What will what what you would do if you wanted to get promoted? You can't say that, right? Because that just doesn't sound right. It's immoral because that's how it actually works. Right, right. It's true. It's like every billionaire, you know, like. Anytime we start talking about Twitter, we get onto the subject of Elon. I'm just like, yeah. Okay, anything that he talks about that's moral, I instantly just go, yeah, okay. Dude, you're a billionaire. You screwed over somebody along the way to get there. Don't oh, don't yeah. hit me. Your moral arguments are a mute point to me. <laughs> I don't want right, to hear it. Right, right. So, don't want the moralizing. <laughs> no. Don't want the moralizing. You know, is it, it back in those days, everything was kept kind of within the office and it was kept in between people. See, these days we actually have like a far more nefarious monster, right? And it's called, I, you might have heard of it, it's called LinkedIn. <laughs> it's called any tor- any form of social media these days? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, specifically for the office though. I mean, Yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn is a beast, man. I mean, it is, a, like, if you ever, okay, so I don't know if you can hear the sound of my voice, how verse you are on LinkedIn. But like LinkedIn, like there are entire forums that are dedicated to just mocking LinkedIn. And for good reason. Okay. If you're gonna find them, they're they're pretty funny. But you can they're like they just exist to just mock LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the single fakest place on the planet. Don't I mean, you got a profile in there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm totally active, and I have like I have thousands of connections. I mean, uh, I think I have, I think I'm getting close to three thousand. I mean, I'm, I'm you have quite you know, a few. Yeah, That's I do. What, you know, yeah. I think I, I mean, I'm, I do have quite a few. Yeah, so I think I'm getting close to three thousand, and I have quite a few connections on there. And I try not to be fake on there, and that's that's a personal thing. But there is so much fakeness on there, and people, it is like, I, it is like, okay, so number one, it's totally, it's just, it is like a temple. For DEI and, and just diversity, you know, d- diversity, equality, uh, representation. I mean, you can go on. So, like, you can go on LinkedIn, and the first thing that it will do, I mean, it will prompt you. It will, it will take you to a page. It'll say, it'll say, well, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna, uh, we're gonna show you. Uh, 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 so we're gonna show you thirty minorities uh, that need to be elevated, and which ones would you like to elevate? Like. What? You're like, yeah, I will. What does that got to do with finding a job? When did LinkedIn start allowing stories? I Oh no, they tell stories all the time. That's okay. all they do. I thought LinkedIn literally you just had a profile and like here's your list of qualifications no, and they allowed have a, a small bio. No, dude, you can do you do feeds now. It's like like in Facebook, they have a LinkedIn feed, okay? LinkedIn is a mess. That's you work like, from home, so you got no like you got no good stories on there, huh? You know, I don't really want to be associated with that. I mean, I don't even know what to do. I mean, what am I going to say? I mean, apparently you can make anything up. Well, I'm, I guess a lot of people do. I mean, you know, and this is the thing is like what so people do it all the time. Okay, so there's this one, there's this one, uh, there was this one girl on LinkedIn, and she lost her job, right? And so she got she got laid off. And so the first post she goes, well, I'm going to post on LinkedIn every single day, and she did this for a couple of weeks. And the first day, it was like, oh, you know, uh, uh, being laid off is such a bad thing, but I totally understand, and I just want to give a big shout-out to all the people who helped me, and I want to be able to, you know, all my company and all this. And so she, she writes this big thing. And then she's, um, 
And then uh and then the next day she's talking about, you know, her her resume and she's talking about how she's going doing her resume and it's all but it's all like it's all DEI, it's all buzzwords, right? It's all language cuz there's like a whole language, okay? Like on LinkedIn. So to be on LinkedIn is to be absorbed in a language of DEI and a language of of diversity. And the more you can speak the language and the more authentic you can be with the language, then the better off you are. You know, you can get comments, you can get raised, you can get connections. And so people, I don't know if they're LARPing or I don't know if it's authentic or not, but it is like an alternate language. And to see in this world, it's like getting a glimpse into this world. Uh, and so this one lady, she the next day, she's, she's talking about her uh, resume and it's all buzzwords, it's all DEI. And then the next day, she's talking about self-care. And she goes, oh, well, you know, you, you can't work all the time. You got to take self-care. And then she's talking about, uh, you know, and then she's talking about, uh, you know, oh, you know, you, had, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't have the money. You got to spend the money. You got to go take care of yourself and do all these things. And, um, and then... Um, and then it's almost like a humble brag. You have to like have a good proactive mix of DEI language, buzzwords, along with certain actions that you do. And then when you do this, you're signaling out. It's like a big virtue signal. And honestly, like I love going to LinkedIn and looking at it because it really wards me off from wanting to get like a regular job. I mean, I was on LinkedIn for about two seconds, and I said, man, I said podcasting is the life of me because I, I can't be going back to a regular shocks job. shocks like me that this. anybody responds to this. Like, man, it's uh, unbelievable people, what you would see. People, you read the responses, and it'll it'll shock you. People do shocks it. shocks me. People, people do it because it works, Woo. obviously. Man. But- I don't know why it works. I, that's all, that's if a, I'm, you know, any sort of mid-level manager, I'm not picking anybody that you leave more than three hashtags and I'm not picking you. I'm sorry. No, people do it, man. And it's it's a <laughs> huge thing, it. man. I'll tell you what, man. I mean, that is a no from Blunderground, man. I don't want any part of that. It's man. it's how you interview. I I always thought anyway, back in my day when I Well, I think back in our day, we had these these um we had these things. See, here's the thing, okay? Back back in Remember our day, a paper application? I just before we get too far. Uh, yeah, do you remember no, I filling do. one of those out. I do. I do remember paper applications. And here's the thing about paper apps. All right, or here's the thing. Back when you fill out paper apps, a lot of times you were doing jobs that had a functional purpose. Okay. And so that it was a good thing. You hey, even a low level job is a great job if you serve a real purpose. Okay. Yeah. But these days, a lot of these jobs, because of the role of technology that we have, you don't have these regular jobs anymore. No. So, I mean, technology, it either eliminates a position or it changes the position yeah. so that it's really like a zombification of its former self. Like the person that runs self-checkout. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Or like the person that's running the drive through when they got the machine that makes the drinks for you and all that stuff. I hated that machine. Oh, so you probably you probably destroyed my, a few in my, your time. My last like two months of working at McDonald's when I was a kid is yeah. when we got that machine. Yeah, and it like sometimes it would fill people's cup half up. Right, every single cup overflowed. Yeah, I used to be like the, one of the only nice people that would hand you a cup that didn't have soda on the outside too. Oh, all of them do. <laughs> no, not the ones I would hand out. Oh man, no, but not the now ones. you can't. It's automated. You can't get it, and and the the people they don't even know what the soda is, right? And it's always right. It's usually right. The machine gets it right. Well, the but, machine does, yeah. Yeah, but when they hand it out, because when they first started doing it, I would say, "Hey, what what, what soda is this? What is this?" And, and no one would know. They wouldn't know. Now it was always right, but they wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. See, because they, they turn so they turn the drive-through guy from being like an expert who you can say, "Hey, you know, I need some help because I want to make sure I'm in the hands of an expert," and you can at least have some respect for that, right, on a limited level. But when the machine's doing it, I mean, you're just kind of you're just kind of there. I don't I don't want to get into like notes from underground territory here, but we're they're trying to. It's the same thing as legislating stupid. Yeah, in no, society. go right ahead. No, it's true. Go right ahead. Lay, lay it on me, man. That's what they're doing. They're with AI. Yeah. It's the same thing as legislating stupid out of society. Yeah, we're, right there. You we're, go. We're we're going to AI the the dumb right out of society. Right. We're we're gonna take the human error. Well, see, the thing is, it's even worse, is because it's not that they're trying to say, well, we need dumb people, so we're going to have machines, and they're going to turn people into stupid people. What it is, is the productivity of a job is being replaced by the adherence to a job language, 
or uh, like a, a DEI type language or some sort of like a secular religion, right? And so like she's talking about here. So everything, you know, everything gets replaced. So that's like my former job was talking about, right? Where I said we had all these people in the office, right? The fact that we had people in the office wasn't important, okay? People call us sick all the time. So you can come in. We always had plenty of people, and you come in, they'd say, oh, so-and-so will call it sick. No big deal. No one even miss them, right? So you come in, and, and the fact that um, the fact that we had a job to do, right, or all this was not even a thing, all right? The main thing that was important was that people said the right things at the right time to the right people, right? That was what was important. And so it was important that there was this, air of a performance and where, where the words would be said as long as everything felt right yeah you know everything needed to be felt right you know so there had to be like water cooler conversations right had to proceed in a certain way and so it was it was like this comfort level so if you because it was a it was a liberal place so if you came in and you started to have a, a conversation based on conservative ideals it would it would it would fill the room with tension, but that, and that's okay. But the thing was this: is it was work tension. So it was tension where once you felt the tension, people started getting scared about their job, and they would want to retreat because they they felt like their job was in jeopardy. You know, not just like they didn't feel like things were they were being challenged as people, but everything changed. It was it was just really odd the specialized workers and these people kind of have a job like there's a thing that definitely does or doesn't happen that is their responsibility this might be like an it person or like a researcher or like a ux designer um but because managers obviously don't know how to assess whether that work was done really the function of workers is to bear witness to the space so like you're supposed to be physically present for a certain amount of time um you have to wear like special regalia that is compliant within the tenets of professionalism i mean you usually have to assume this like meditative pose where you're behind a desk and staring at a screen but it doesn't matter what you're doing during that time you can just embarrassingly yeah i'm gonna say that that last part sounds exactly like the military when you're not deployed is that right like you have to wear a certain thing right so the military was always was always this it was always as long as you are in the right place at the right time yeah. in the right uniform you're right. good to go right <laughs> is that right those yeah. three things if you got those three things yeah. right you're fine right and then uh, over over here make sure your pt test is a 300 and then you, you just be in charge of everything even if you can't spell your name We've been over that before. But <laughs> we have, right, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, so, but that was the thing. Like, even if there was nothing to do, uh-huh. you show up at 9 o'clock, and you better have, the you know, the uniform of the day on. Yeah. Um, most time it was the same thing. Right. And it better look good. And then, like, you would just watch people kind of walk around. Mm. Never, ever, ever ask if there's anything that you can help with or needs to be done yeah because there won't be until you need in, until you say something then there's just something needs to be done they'll find it okay and try to look busy like walk around looking like you're headed towards doing something yeah right that's right and someone won't bother you so true if you just if you just are kind of standing there though like if you just even rest at all mm-hmm. someone's instantly coming over to you and they're gonna say well what are you what are you up to today what are you doing you're going to get 20 questions yeah, and you're not going to have an answer for them. And then you're going to be put on some sort of actual detail. So when I made Sergeant, I used to tell my guys just disappear straight. Out. I was like, you got a cell phone for a reason. Wow. Yeah. I will call you if I need you. Oh, wow. I was like, disappear. So we started like, I just tried this experiment. I was like, let me see if this works. I'm a yeah. Sergeant. What's worst going to happen? Sure. And I'm going to yell at him. I haven't been yelled at before. No big deal. Uh-huh. So it just disappeared. And guess what? Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Nothing. It didn't affect the universe at all. No, not at all. No, I'd get a call like, hey, formation's in 20 minutes. Where are you at? Oh, I'm right down the road. Well, getting a drink. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. No worries. <laughs> but had I told them what I yep, was going to do the whole do. day. Yep. So, yeah. So, and, and then in the office, it became the same exact thing. That that like meditative pose or whatever, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I'd sit there. Just so, you know, like when I told you that meditative uh, pose, the guy that had the nice socks walk around me. And I'm just like, look at my screen, click in and out of a couple screens. Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? 
Uh, yeah, I think I've seen that once. I think. Yeah. 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 This is yeah, exactly yeah. what she's talking about. Oh no, it is. It is. When I was in, I was in an office environment, right? I had this job where I had to enter. Uh, uh, I, I had to do some data entry, and this was a week long job. Ugh. And when I, so it was five days. You'd start on Monday and you'd end on Friday. Now the um, the first time I did it, it was like, yeah, I hear you. So it was the first time I did it. I went ahead and it took me a while. It took me the full time and, and you know, and I, you know, whatever. So I got done and then I had to do this uh, on a regular basis. So uh, a couple weeks go by and then I had to do it again. Well, the second time that I did it, I did a lot better, right? And so I shaved like a whole day. Not off, good. Right? No, not, not good. good. So the second time I did it, I did it better. And it was like a shave of a whole day, right? So then the third time I did it, I shaved off a bunch of time. I mean, I must have got it done in like two and a half days, right? So being, you know, being the the responsible guy that I am, right? So I'm like, all right. So I go to the boss and I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm get this done in like two and a half days. So it's like half the time. So what do you want to do? Well, anyhow, the boss looks at me, okay? And this dude is stressed, right? I mean, this guy is stressed. Like, he is stress city, right? And... The last thing that he wants is for his, you to be done. Oh man, in his day, like his day <laughs> is predicated on the fact that that guy over there he's just is, sitting there and yeah, he's working. And he's over there. That's your job. <laughs> your job is to be at the desk and work, and that's what the plan is. And if you're gonna get done, you're gonna start barking in my office, and you're gonna start you're gonna start throwing over tables and throwing chairs against the window, and it's not cool. Like this dude was stressed, right? And the last thing he needed in his day was for me to come in and tell him that I could be done in two and a half days, right? So the message was sent pretty clearly, you know, that listen, you do not walk into my office, you do not tell me you're done, you don't tell me it takes you two and a half days, get out, you know. So <laughs> I was like, okay, man, you know, like if that's a marching order, that's what we're gonna do. So, you know, so anyhow, so you get out there and then the more I did it, the better I got, right? So I could get this thing done in about, about a little less than two days. You know your coworkers eventually hated you, right? Because you upped the bar. Oh, how man. fast they had to do things. No doubt, man. And then you, when you become cognitive of this stuff, yeah, you see it all around. Because when you become cognitive, you look around, you go, man, you go, when 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 people on a mass scale realize that that what I'm doing, I'm toast. Like, yeah. like I will be like they're gonna sacrifice me. They're gonna like, <laughs> I mean, they're gonna drag me out and throw me in a snowbank. Get, get drugs die. planted in your lunchbox. No <laughs> doubt, man. I'm gonna start having broken glass thrown into my car, you know, or something. You know, like nobody wants this, right? Like this was the last thing that people wanted. It was the most horrible thing, and that's really when you realize that, man, these offices are not like it's not to be productive, right? Like that's not that's the last thing. No. No, it really is. Did you hear about the Whole Foods? Great story too. You know, I, we should um, we should put the link in the Twitter. Uh, we should put the Twitter link in the uh, description. Uh, so we probably won't. So if you don't see it, then you can write in and tell us how bad we are for not putting it there. But I will. Uh, I'll see if I can get that one to you, Steve. But uh, it's great. There's a um, uh, a Whole Foods in New York City, right? So the Whole Foods opened up this. Uh, they opened up this store, and it was a flagship store. So it was all new concept. And it was uh, it was all all open concept, you know, all all new. Yep. And they built it brand new, and they decided to build it in New York City. So it's true, they built it there. And ever since they opened it, right? And it's really great because uh, the tweet necessarily isn't about the the it isn't about the behind the scenes. But if you go in the comments, there's a guy in the comments. He says he says, yeah, the manager of that place is a friend of mine, and so he knows the manager. So he's kind of talking about it, and he says, he says the the corporate guys up at corporate, they wanted this new concept store in New York City. Well, ever since they opened the store, right, like the drug addicts and the homeless people that come in, like they destroy the place, right? Like they have security play. They got security, but like one of the security guards like tried to throw out a homeless guy. And then like three homeless guys like jumped him and threw him through a plain glass window. Like that they go up to the hot bar and they just take all the food for free. And then like they've had to, they've had to hire extra staff to bring the merchandise back into the back room. Cause they, they, they went ahead and they had this whole section of the store was basically just, it was just free. People were just, thieving right off the right off the shelves and so they moved all the stuff into the back and then it was wild the homeless people would come in and they busted the door into the back space and they went into the back space and they started just taking stuff off the back shelves 
And so, um, anyways, the, this store, they still open the store. And everyone in New York is like, what are they going to do with the store? Like, the, the store is just getting robbed, like, constantly every day. Well, that's what they get for putting it in such a nice area. In such a nice area, right? I mean, I just, listen, I don't want to go to New York City, man. I, you kill them in a place like that. Nope. So, like, you know, but uh, the person in the comments was saying that they know the manager. And they're saying the people at corporate, they just don't know what to do. Like, because they, they basically made a terrible decision. They, op- they decided to open this new concept store in this terrible location. And now they're basically just getting rampant shoplifting. And, you know, people are getting threatened with murder. And they're, st- and they're going in the back room. They take all the food. And they're just basically trying to wait it out. They're like, well... You know, we're either the building going to wait out the homeless in New York City. Yeah, that's what they said. They <laughs> said they said they're either going to wait until they're either going to wait until they get their orders to close the store, or they're gonna they're just going to try to until the building falls down, or they're going to try to wait and see if the homeless people move on. Like maybe someone builds another Crystal Palace next door, and then they want to rob that instead. I don't know, <laughs> man. I mean, <laughs> wild. That's a good business plan right there. Well, I tell you what, man, some real real big brains out there. Wow. So, you know, I don't know if you were going to steal anything from a store, Steve, but if you were, would you steal an organic mango or would you steal a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos? Sir, I'm a Christian and I don't steal, but I know we're, <laughs> I know we're going with this flaming Hot Cheetos thing. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't appreciate a good transition. And right? uh, that's a that's a pretty good transition. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was that was, that was slick. Yeah. Right, so we're gonna go. we're gonna talk about some flaming hot Cheetos. Oh man, flaming hot Cheetos. And can't have you listen to this one because it's a video. This guy doesn't say where he's from. We're gonna link this one in the description. But yeah, yeah, the link to the video will be in the description. Oh, and uh, I don't know who wasted more time, me watching the video. Or this guy doing what he did. <laughs> he takes 3,000 pounds of concrete, makes a sarcophagus, <laughs> and puts a flaming hot bag of Cheetos inside of resin, then hangs it from uh, eye bolt carriers inside of the sarcophagus to protect it from any earthquakes so the resin doesn't get damaged. <laughs> He hermetically seals this thing after going through it with a UV light to make sure there's no germs in it. No. Right? And this is going to be, he's on the outside in gold lettering. Yes, that's my favorite part. Yeah, he's got like this ode to flaming hot Cheetos, and like, and then he has the he has the um the ingredients list. Yeah, he's he's, he's telling everyone in the future, you know, because it, it's don't open this for ten thousand years, and he puts the date right. on it, right? Yeah, right. So this guy. And here's the stupidest thing of the whole, like, yeah. he buries it, what, a foot and a half in the ground? Did I you know, see I that? I know, I saw that. Yeah, I did. I saw that. He's in there. Like, you need to get a backhoe guy, right? Bro, erosion's going to have that thing up, not 10,000 years. Well, no, it's going to slide it. It's going to slide into the ocean, and it's going to end up, like, over in Scandinavia somewhere, and someone's going to find it, like, under a big pile of rocks, you know, uh, like, it's just going to be in the middle of the ocean. Or maybe it's going you know, it to happen. to the ocean. If it sinks to the ocean, I mean, you could have the continents move when this thing comes out. I'll out. tell you what's going to happen. In, in in the end times, I'm going to be the last dude here. That thing's going to float up to me. <laughs> I'm going to know what's in there. I'm going to be so hungry, <laughs> and I'm going to have to get to this stupid thing with nothing but a stick. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You're going to have to. No, but I got Steve with a Steve with a hammer. He's like he's like I know what's in here. There's a bag of flaming hot Cheetos there's, in there. There was a. Uh, <laughs> Man, there's it's funny. There's a guy in the comments because there's a little part of this video you'll see, yeah, where he <laughs> he's driving the sarcophagus to, to its final resting place, right? Right. And uh, there's a bridge that's like I I guess somebody in the comments noticed because they were like, oh, I'm uh, I recognize <laughs> that bridge, and actually I'm gonna go dig this thing up <laughs> next week. <laughs> like, man, that's that is messed up, bro. Yeah, no, that is messed but, up, man. Well, that's like, uh, no, they didn't do that any time, man. That's like the Shia LaBeouf stuff. You ever hear the, like the, uh, like on 4chan, like when they did the, um, uh, they did the, uh, I think, I, I don't know the story. I'm not an expert on it at all, but, and I barely even know who Shia LaBeouf is, but there's a, there's a great story. He wanted to disappear, right? And so he disappeared. Yeah. 
And so anyhow, he put out this video and he says, well, I'm in parts unknown and no one knows where I am and I'm disappeared and like no one can tell where I am. Right. Yeah. Well, anyhow, like there was a there was like in the distance, there was like this flag. And so somebody, somebody on 4chan like zoomed in the flag, and then they 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 used some software to to find the directional of the wind. Oh yeah. They used the flag to see how where the wind was going, and then they went to a weather map and they matched up the 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 actual direction of the wind. Man. And then within like within less than an hour, the dude the dude put on a comment. And he's like, Yeah, Shia, I know exactly where he put the longitude and yeah. the latitude, and he was spot on, man. He knew exactly. <laughs> where he was it was like less than an hour and you're not gonna hide from anybody these days man and if you you, you really want to know that look at london's cctv setup oh man i tell you when i when i saw that when i saw that story about sheila bolf i said man the world will never be the same again you can't hide anywhere you can't it's impossible you could be in an igloo somewhere with an eskimo and someone fbi just come in hello hey you doing? yeah they can find you i don't care where you are today right you know and not like Osama bin Laden was the hardest per- person to hunt down. I think we let him go multiple times on purpose, but that's just that's what it seems for, like story yeah. for another day. Sure, but um, oh, one more thing about this Cheetos thing. I'm so, I can't get off this Cheetos the thing. Che- I'm sorry. No, Cheetos, man. Hey, you know, listen, have you ever opened up a bag of flaming hot Cheetos? Before? I don't even like I mean, flaming hot Cheetos. Even, well, no, most people don't if they've had them one time. You know, that's so, the thing. A couple things came you to know, my like, mind. Listen, everyone's got the experience of the first bag of flaming hot Cheetos, and there ain't too many people out there that's got the experience of the second one. Uh, you you've had one? The, what's that? You've had one? The flaming hot kind? Yeah. No? Well, I mean, I'm probably guilty. Yeah, I'm guilty, guilty for that. <sighs> I think everyone's done it. Surprised you have a gallbladder left. Oh man, it is rough. <laughs> man, it is rough. You know, you got to get the cleanse. Every You're on tums while, the rest you know? of your life after that. Yeah, you know, pretty much you got to get the cleanse. You know what I mean? You got to the body goes into like red <laughs> alert mode, and then the red alert light goes on, and then it's like the cleanse. You get the cleanse every time. You know. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to worry about it no more, you know, afterwards. This this dude, I, I did the math. I don't know why I did this, but yeah. it, it took him 20 bags of concrete. I actually it went did. through and figured out how much everything weighed. And <laughs> so it's 20 bags of concrete. Then I, I went on Home Depot, did. looking at roughly five bucks a bag with tax. <laughs> so he spent 100 bucks just on concrete. I The time he took to do this, I yeah. don't even... I can't even imagine. It's incredible. During the sealing process, um, he had to apply this sealant to both sides of the cover. Yeah. And what I found to be probably one of the funniest things, actually, yeah, was he chose to use a Ford Escape to try and pull this thing over. Oh. I was like, that is that is literally the worst tow vehicle for anything or at anything. all. Yeah. It's a Ford. Uh, and then you picked like probably their worst car they make. Probably. And um, the top only weighed like 800 pounds, and this thing was struggling to tow this thing over, like <laughs> it was hurting. Like I was like, I don't know who's gonna win the 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 top of the sarcophagus or the escape. Right, right. So that was a struggle. That was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, that's great. But it kind of I'm I'm saying like, who has this type of money and time to like just do this? Well, that's and the then thing. It's the like laser engraving thing happened, and I went. If you have a laser engraver, never mind. You have money. Those things are expensive. Yeah, are they? Yeah, the laser engravers. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's not a cricket machine, my friend. Man, it's unbelievable. It is like it's a testimony. It's like a monument to American leisure, right? I uh, mean, yeah. Uh, like the whole concept that you have a young person like this, and, and hey, you got to admire the passion. But I mean, how much leisure do you have to have in your life? Uh, yeah, I don't know what point you have to come to, or or where you have to be at to do that. I mean, really? I mean, I like. I mean, I thought college is pretty easy, but like, you, I, I didn't. Even, you don't have time for that sort no. of thing. And he made it clear that no one was paying for him to do this too. It's unbelievable. He's like, no, Cheetos is like not like sponsoring this. I'm just doing this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. It was like the the guy I saw on the internet the other day put a pool in his basement and like videotaped the whole thing. <laughs> like I built this studio. I didn't videotape anything. I just sweat. I was not happy a lot. Man. Yeah. I wanted to throw things. Man. You know. Yeah. I wasn't like. And put music to this video and like add extra work for myself. Oh like, yeah, yeah, right. Where do you people get this kind of time? Man, I know it's unbelievable. I I don't have that kind of time. You know, it's it's what you you know it, it it's, a lot of it is luck. I mean, a lot of it's the role of luck and and, and timing, right? Time and circumstance, time and luck. You know, I saw a guy I saw a guy teaching English one time in Hong Kong. 
and it was not it was a video from a long time ago and the guy um the guy i think it was like 10 or 15 years ago but the guy had hit it just the right time and guy made bank man i mean people were like giving up their life savings to try to learn english from this guy and i'm watching him i'm thinking man this guy's no good <laughs> you know and yet he lived he bought this penthouse with the pool that's why you mentioned it right he had his pool on the roof you know so you could go up on the roof and he had this oversized pool and then all these you know and, and and palm trees up there and everything and 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 then they, they have these you know the the river it comes out the pool and the river goes through the living room and stuff and i mean it's wild you sliding your business to the far east well no i mean i'm just telling you and that was a long time ago so i think that time has passed but i mean like i'm sitting there watching it and i go man this guy's got a river flowing through his through his living room like this guy could barely it's like could barely speak english right if so you get a house with a lazy river in it man i'm moving in man that lazy river We're folding the podcast it was <laughs> that's it hey man i have no desire to sit in the recliner and watch you you know you know float by on be on the other side of the lazy river rubby rubby no because you just have a big old rubber ducky and we just float down the lazy river all day i would All right. Hey, thank you for joining us today on the Digital Blunderground. We like to have fun. It is music, friends, fun, and fandom. We have a good time. Check us out on our other podcast. All right. You're going to hear about it in just a minute, but you want to check us out on Notes from Blunderground, which is our podcast for cultural commentary. And you want to join us for the Blunderground Railroad. That is Tom and Steve going from ignorance, which you just heard a lot of, to knowledge. Thanks for joining us on the Digital Blunderground. Don't forget to check out Tom and Steve's flagship podcast, Notes from Blunderground, and their journey from ignorance to knowledge, the Blunderground Railroad. See you next time.